You are now listening to The Unit Report. Listen as we take a deep dive into the world of sports centered around Pittsburgh. Now, your hosts, Lucas and Troy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to this week's edition of The Unit Report. I am your host, as usual, along with my uh, sidekick basement warrior, Lucas. Uh well, this is quite the episode for uh, for uh, us as we are one away from uh, 50 episodes. So, so and close st- yet so far. And I still haven't garnered any respect from you yet. I know. I'm sorry. I think it's actually getting worse. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to fight an unwinnable battle, you know. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, we are finally through the second round of the NHL playoffs with uh, a couple of surprising um Results along with some NFL and the usual uh, baseball news as we approach the uh, midpoint of the season. And then a couple uh, oddballs that we'll throw out at the end there. But uh, we'll start off with the NHL with just the New York Rangers. That is the that is the, only, the best way I can think of phrasing is the damn New York Rangers. They just can't seem to go down without a fight. And I mean, I give it to them. They have managed to hold their own somehow through the Penguin series, through the Kane series, and here they are up one nothing on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the uh, Eastern Conference Final. I mean, that old saying where uh, if there's a will, there's a way. I think this team is the literal definition of it because I don't really know what is. I mean, they're. They got six goals past Andre Vasilevsky, which is pretty impossible. And they did it in the Eastern Conference Finals. And you look uh, just plainly at the rosters of uh, on offense, Tampa has the advantage. Defense, Tampa has the advantage. In net, it can go either way. But if you're going with based on experience and, you know, uh, Stanley Cup wins, Tampa has the advantage. And somehow, some way, New York came out firing in game one versus Tampa in the Eastern conference finals and really gave uh, Tampa Bay a shock. I think, I don't think that they're expecting that much of a fight. And I, I mean, I know I wasn't, I was expecting Tampa to uh, handle the series. I knew uh, New York was going to put up a fight, but I didn't think that they were going to do as well as they did in game one. They led in every category. They, uh, I mean, and uh, Tampa had five more shots than, than they did, but high-quality chances, New York, face-offs. They got a power play goal on two opportunities. Tampa had three opportunities and didn't even get one. Tied for hits. And, uh, and obviously, Shesterkin outdoled Vasilevsky in the Russian goalie battle of probably the two best goalies in the league right now is these two guys. And everyone expected this to be a low-scoring game. Because there's the two, like literally the two best goalies, but uh, New York in the kids line, the kids line really showed up of uh, Philip Hedl, uh, Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco. They combined for five points in this one, Hedl with two goals. There's something about this team, like logic should tell you that they should be getting dominated by the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions. But for some reason, New York is hanging in there and, you know, they're now they're only three wins away from going to the Stanley Cup final. And I, I know neither of us had this like had this. I know we were going to talk about your bracket and how like how well you've been doing. We'll get to that in a second. But even you, the uh, you know, the 
the mastermind that you are, you didn't have, you didn't predict this. Like no, no one had New York. No one really gave New York a fighting chance in, I, I didn't even give them a chance much in the Pittsburgh series. I think most people had Carolina in the second series. And now if you, no one would have had them winning, winning against Tampa, but now they're already up one, nothing. So I don't know. I mean, I'm starting to figure out that I know nothing about hockey. <laughs> I think the thing that surprised me the most about the game last night against the Lightning, first of all, I didn't realize that the Rangers had home ice advantage. Yeah, because they were... I didn't actually get to watch the first period because I was at a I was at a, a bonfire. But like, I looked at the thing. I thought for sure that the uh, Lightning finished higher, and turns out they didn't. It's it's not based off of like league standing. It's based off division. So New York was second. I know that's in the, the part that yeah. like threw Tampa me off. Tampa was third in the that... Atlantic. And then the other thing that kind of, uh, I think, sort of caught me off guard is like how the last series against the Hurricanes, how the shot differential was horrendous. There was only, there was only a five shot. They were the Rangers won and were only outshot by uh, five shots. Mm-hmm. Shots for thirty nine to thirty four. So they really did like hold their own this game, and it wasn't just kind of a, uh, you know, come down to, to the defense and goaltending. Because I remember doing the Canes series. I think for two or three games. They almost they had like half the at least half the shots of what the Canes put up, and this one definitely seems like it was pretty well rounded with uh, shot attempts and skill level. Obviously, the score doesn't show that, but uh, I don't think Tampa was uh, expecting this. Surely, the uh, Tampa goaltending has had a bit of a hiccup here with Shostak uh, and and Vasilevsky uh, being two of the biggest names of these entire playoffs so far. So I don't know. You wonder if it's kind of a, you know, they have their hiccup and now he's going to come back for game two and really shut him down or really what's going to happen from here. But I, I don't think anyone really expected the Rangers to make it this far. Credit to them. I mean, they managed to fight through. They fought through the Penguins. They fought through the Canes, which I don't think anyone stood a chance. And uh, evidently they're putting up a heck of a fight against the Lightning. So I, I have a theory yeah, as, here. as to why, uh, Tampa and Vasilevsky st- like are starting the series slow and like game, game one didn't look good for them. They've been, they haven't played in over a week. They, cause they swept Florida. They, they've been sitting and waiting to find out who their opponent would be. Whereas New York just got done with a seven game series. They had like, you know, a day or two off and then went right into this series. So they're not rusty at all. New York is like still going off of that high of beating Carolina in this, in the seven games. Whereas Tampa has been, they're cold and Vasilevsky is probably cold as well, you know? So I can definitely attribute this game one loss to that. And they probably caught New York, caught Tampa with cold feet and they, uh, and they took advantage of this. And that's, those are the kind of games you have to win whenever you have like that advantage, but I don't expect Tampa to put up a performance like this again in the series. I could be way off and New York, easily could come away with a series and win in five, six, seven, whatever games. But I have a feeling just based on the last two years of play that we've seen from Tampa, that even if they do lose the series, it is not going to be six, two, five, one, five, two, New York, every single game, they're going to put up a good fight. The rest of these games, this is going to be, this is their worst performance. John Cooper is a really good coach and Vasilevsky is a really good goalie. So this is, they're not going to, especially this next game because Vasilevsky's record in the playoffs following up a loss is he's undefeated. He has like a, like 
Most of those wins are shutouts, I think. So he, count on a game two win. And, uh, and can on and even if not, count on a really good performance and probably a low scoring performance uh, in these two games because uh, we're going to talk about the Western uh, series here in a second. But both, I expect game two for both of the series to be much lower scoring because of how sloppy game one was for all four teams. Like no, other than New York, who only allowed two goals, Colorado allowed six, Edmonton allowed eight, and Tampa allowed six. So. I expect much more structure, more, you know, they're, they're in the series now. They're going to have better, like, intel and reads on the other teams. It's going to be lower scoring games. I don't think it's going to be as fun and exciting. But if there is one to be higher scoring, it's going to be tonight's Colorado-Edmonton, which I really can't wait to talk about. I don't know if you're ready to move on, but I'm excited to talk Correct. about that Correct, yeah, I was going to bring that up next. Um, do we want to talk about – we want to take an intermission and go over my bracket for a second? Sure, yeah, we can take a breather. Let's do that. Sure, before it's kind of a transition. So um, the NHL apprentice thing, the NH- the NHL bracket challenge, right? We've done it for years as a joke, just kind of pick teams. We actually talked about this, I think, two or three episodes ago, where we talked about our bracket and um, everything that happened. Uh, so up until the uh, Rangers being the Hurricanes, I had a perfect bracket and was 120th in on the planet uh rank wise so I that's kind of cool i wish on zoom i can put in like sound effects i would do like a round of applause thank you but the thing that i kind of made out of a joke i didn't even like pay attention to it really to be honest with you until mm-hmm. like the end of the first round and then i clicked on it and then after uh florida got swept i went and looked back at it and i was 120th on the planet of all the entries globally that was i thought that was pretty impressive but uh I still have – I don't actually know who I have winning. I haven't checked on it in a while, but uh, I'm sure it's gone down since I no longer have the perfect bracket with – Wasn't it Colorado, Carolina? I don't remember. I feel like your final was – I think the it case, was Tampa. Was it Tampa? It's, I it's, don't remember. It, it's in our text chat, so let me look, because if it's Carolina, then, like, you can't win the East, but, I mean, you could still get the West and the – Cup final because I think you had Colorado winning over Carolina, but let me see here. Let me see if it'll let me sign into it. But anyway, yeah, I thought that was sort of uh yeah, kind of a who did I have? Colorado, Carolina, and you had Colorado winning. Oh yeah, I, okay. The tiebreaker yeah, was that. I can't goals. see the whole bracket. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, it's still three out of four of the final four. Is impressive. I mean, you can't get the I Eastern Conference the, winner, but still. I think the most impressive part of the entire thing is getting the entire first round correct. Yeah, I I think the biggest one for me, uh, like, well, for you, but in my opinion, is getting Edmonton to the final four because they had a lot of flaws. I mean, they've been on a high ever since they hired Jay Woodcroft as their head coach. Uh, but, like, in net, Mike Smith is a huge question mark on defense they don't have that many good, like defensively sound guys on the back end. But I mean, you had them going to the final four. And if they were going to do that in any circumstance, it would have been riding McDavid in some crazy performance. And that's exactly what's happened. He's had like one of the best playoff seasons, I guess, ever. Yep. Yeah, and now here we are um, in the Western Conference final, where basically it's a uh... It's the series of the big names. You have McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl, and then uh, 
I guess you have McKinnon and uh, Makar, but not two forwards. So take that for what it's worth. But it should be quite the series that starts tonight. At, I think all the games are now eight o'clock Eastern. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, in game one of the series, all four goalies played, which is significant. In Colorado's case, Kemper got injured. And um, I think it was in the first round, if you remember, he got injured. He got a uh, injury to his eye. It was against Nashville. Uh, Ryan Johansson's stick got into his eye. And we're not exactly sure what the injury is, but Francois had to go in and in relief. But in Edmonton's case, they pulled Smith because he allowed five goals on 22 shots. And then Koskinen came in and uh, allowed only one on 21 shots. But uh, Jay Woodcroft said that Smith is starting tonight. And... Jared Bednar of the Colorado Avalanche said that Pavel Francouz is starting tonight. Kemper will not play, which is significant. But to talk about game one, the, the stars showed up, which if you look at the uh, Tampa game yesterday, the, the stars for Tampa did not show up. Kucherov had no points. Um, and that's a guy you expect to like put up at least like one or two points, especially in these big games. But in Colorado's case, McKinnon had two points. McCarr had three points. Rantanen had two points. Landis Gog had two. Kadri had a goal. All the stars showed up. In Edmonton's case, McDavid, three points. Kane, two points. Dreisaitl, two points. So, like, if you're just starting to watch hockey and you're just becoming a fan, this is the series to watch because you're going to see, the, like, the biggest young stars in the league show up. And we, we are – that game one was probably – I mean, it was – if you're a goal, a goalie or a defender, that's like a worse nightmare. But if you're just a fan of watching like goals and like high flying teams, that was one of the best games to watch. Like literally the two of the best young players that this league has, Mc, uh, McDavid and McKinnon went off. And it's probably going to happen again for another six games because I think this series has every opportunity to go to seven because strictly because of those young guys. But man. What a hell of a game. I mean, shots were 47-37 Colorado. Hits were 46-34 Edmonton. And then, uh, yeah, we got to see every goalie. I mean, it's it's exciting times right now. It's an exciting series to watch. These final four, both, all, all four of these teams have a lot of young talent, a lot of good talent. Tampa's probably the most, like, experienced and old team, but, man, it's a great final four. This is a great series. Yeah, I know. I think both of them are going to be pretty interesting, especially if uh, the Lightning don't show up and make a name for themselves in uh, game two. I think we're going to have two very uh, competitive series. I think that the West is probably going to be the highest scoring, obviously. Definitely. But uh, I don't know, man. I feel like hit-wise and physically, I think that – that, uh, Lightning and Rangers series, that's going to be a rough one, especially if the Rangers don't get their way. They like to throw the bodies around. I mean, how many times have we saw Ryan Reeves on the highlight reels taking someone out, and then uh, they go throw a couple goals, and they're right back in it. So I, it's pretty interesting to see that, uh, you know, these four teams make it this far, but uh, that should be an exciting finish and definitely a very exciting cup. Yeah, and if Tampa does make it past New York, like like you said, because they throw the body around, they're going to be hurting because guys like Reeves, Goudreau, those guys are throwing body, uh, Truba, Lindgren. So, I mean, I, I give the edge to probably whoever comes out of the West because the West is, the like we said, the, the higher scoring, the more high-flying uh, teams. 
Whereas the East, I mean, you're going to get beaten up in that series because it's going to be low scoring, highly physical. And uh, something we didn't mention about the Tampa series is that they're also doing this without their, their number one center and Braden point. So they're might, they had trouble scoring goals in game one. Also, you know, it's against Igor Shesterkin, but also they're without their number one center. And, you know, as Penguin fans, we saw how hard it was against New York without our number one center. When Crosby went down, we went 0-3 without him. So, uh, well, I guess 0-3 without a healthy Crosby because he he played in game seven but wasn't wasn't really himself. It's kind um, of the same thing with uh, Jari. Yeah, yeah, Jari was He was not, slow uh, to get up, like, many of times. You can tell that was a last-ditch last effort. Not healthy at all. Yeah, definitely. Um I think we're good to move on off of that. Um, a couple other hockey things that came out was Jason Spezza, longtime Ottawa Senator, Dallas Star, Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, is retired. He is going. He's joining the Toronto Maple Leafs on a uh, front office uh, capacity. And I was thinking about this. I want to know your opinion. I'm going to look up the numbers to maybe to give us a better idea. But do, is Jason Spezza a Hall of Famer? Do you think? Um, I don't know. See, the thing with the NHL, though, is, like, the Hall of Fame's kind of a joke. Do you think? A little bit. I mean, they all kind of are to an extent, though, now. Why do you say that? Like, every league, they all kind of are. Because it's not like the top of the top. It's like the, you know, they trade, or it's sort of like the, you know, uh, I don't know, like the fans liked them and blah, 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 but they weren't necessarily like the top of the top, but then like they they were just around for so many years that they put them in there. I feel like that's kind of what it's turned into. That's what, like, especially the NFL, I think, where it's just like, they, I don't know. So based on that, cri- if, based on that criteria, do you think he gets in? He, I don't, I, I don't think he is. He got 995 points. So five shy of a thousand in uh, 1,248 games over 19 seasons. So he was under a point a game, uh, only 363 goals, played 11 seasons with Ottawa, five with Dallas, three to end it with Toronto. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he gets it. I, I don't think uh, he – on those Ottawa teams early on when he was with Alfredson, Danny Heatley, I mean, he was a monster, but he has, he's never won any individual trophy. He's made the all-star game a handful of times, but he's never won a heart, an Art Ross, a Lady Bing, a, a, a Rocket Richard. I, yeah, I don't think he makes it. I was thinking about it, though. I, was, I thought about it recently. I was like, maybe maybe he does pull it off. But no, I think you're right. I, I don't think he does. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of them in recent years have kind of gotten a little soft with, like, who is a Hall of Fame material. But I don't know. I could be wrong. Still a hell of a career, though. Congrats to Jason Spezza. That was awesome. Uh, another hell of a career, Martin St. Louis, who came in on the interim tag after the Montreal Canadiens fired Dom Ducharme. And they Montreal ended the season on a positive note. And then they, you know, still finished last, but they were uh, trending in the right direction. But they decided to give Martin St. Louis, I believe it was a three-year deal, wasn't it? Something like that. That sounds about right. It was a three-year deal, yeah, and he will be the head coach in Montreal for the foreseeable future, and they won the first overall pick in the draft lottery, so they're going to get Shane Wright. Uh, Martin St. Louis is going to be able to coach him, more than likely Shane Wright. Uh, Cole Caulfield, all those young forwards on that Montreal team, it's 
it's a bright future for Montreal. On like to this, this season was a really bad season. Then last season, they surprised, came out of nowhere, got to the final. But um, yeah, I think there's a bright future. They're they're building a good foundation in Montreal, and that'll be a good team in the not too distant future. I believe that's all we have in hockey, but we got some football things to talk about next. Correct. Ryan Fitzpatrick, everyone's favorite Fitz magic. He's retired. Quarterback was a journeyman. I believe he played on nine different teams throughout his career. And he finally calls it quits. He was always the fill in quarterback. If you guys, if a team had a quarterback go down in the preseason or in the training camp and he was going to be out for the season, you always knew you could throw in Fitz magic and he could get you to like a 500 season at least. He was not a bad quarterback by any means. He went to Harvard too. So crazy dude, crazy career. Congrats to him for lasting this long and, and best of luck in retirement. Uh, speaking of retirement, Aaron Donald, everyone's favorite pit graduate uh, is debating reti- retirement because he's kind of accomplished everything. He's been the defensive player of the year. A number of times, finally won his first Super Bowl. He will play this upcoming season, but he said that he is deliberating after that, maybe calling it quits because I mean, he plays a very physical position, defensive line. And he, like I said, he's accomplished basically everything, you know, that's what I was going to say. I kind of think he's done. Um, I think this will sort of be like the, the goodbye year. I mean, there's really not much left for him to accomplish to be honest with you. Automatic hall of fame. One of the best defensive players of all time, probably the best, like Pitt alumni in NFL history. I mean, Dan Marino's there and so is Larry Fitzgerald, but man, like not a more dominant player in the league than Aaron Donald. There there is not one that exists. He year after year put up double digit sacks was a huge disruption to any run game, any pass game that an opposing team would have got drafted whenever the Rams were in St. Louis stayed with them in the move to LA and he helped build them into a Super Bowl championship team. So uh, he's been to two Super Bowls. He lost the first one against New England and then finally won this last one against Cincinnati. So, I mean, he can do whatever he wants. He's made enough money, accomplished enough. He uh, signed with uh, Donda Sports Marketing, which I'm not exactly sure what the purpose of that is, but maybe he's trying to set up a post-playing career uh, thing there with uh, that's Kanye West's mark sports marketing, uh, you know, company he has built. But uh, yeah, very interesting. We'll keep an eye on that as the season and the off season progresses. See if anything more comes out about the Aaron Donald farewell season possibility. And then the infamous match, the golf match that happens every year, um, happened yesterday. I believe it finished up, and it was in Las Vegas. And it, the old guys was Team Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, the young guys. And the old guys prevailed. Tom Brady, uh, noted good golfer Tom Brady, uh, and Aaron Rodgers beat out the two young guys, and uh, it was a good showing. I forget what course it was on, but it was the one. Uh, it was in Vegas. Let me see. Is it the same course every year? Because I think it was in Vegas last year. I think it is now, but I think before it was, uh, it revolved a little bit. Yeah, it was at the uh, the whim, the win. Uh, what's the course called? Is it just called the win? Yeah, it's win, the win Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, it, it's like literally the closest one to the strip. It's a beautiful course, but uh, it, it's always, there's a lot of trash talk, you know, a lot of, uh, you get to see their personalities a lot more. And those, 
the two young quarterbacks, like that are the next ones up in the league against the two that have dominated the past two decades. Good to see cold banter um, and good for the, uh, the guys. I mean, Brady was super competitive. Like he always is with every sporting event. He was trash talking. He was, uh, you know, talking shit to Mahomes and Allen. It was, it was real funny to watch. He was even talking trash to Rogers. He was like that. He's the leader of the Packers. At least I think so. Cause there's always rumors about him leaving uh, green Bay, but very funny stuff. Oh, fun to watch. That's it for football for now. Let's get the baseball. So we could, well, we'll take a bit of a limb, a limb here and go over. Uh, we'll st- stick with a golf topic here oh, okay. for a bit of a sidetrack. So this is big news because it made it this far. The women's high school 3A state golf tournament in Iowa made national headlines this weekend whenever uh, with the 18th hole – the average score of this hole for the last day was quadruple bogey. I guess the hole selection was so poor, poor that the uh, I think the, the someone made like the statistics for this that balls that were within I think three feet of the hole if they missed the hole were rolling off the green. <laughs> like imagine awesome. coming down like playing this entire tournament and literally coming down to the last hole and the average score being quadruple bogey. Wait, wait, wait. This was the 18th hole? Yes. The 18th no hole on the last day. Well, I didn't There's know that. There's actually videos on YouTube. It's, it is just painful to watch. I, it's taken, it took uh, multiple uh, golfers 10 or more attempts to uh, get the ball in the hole. So the uh, it was just sort of a, what was the greens, the, I guess the greenskeepers thinking, uh, it was truly horrible because if they missed it, it was just gone. It was off the back of the green and then the whole thing was kind of tilted, but it was just really bad hole selection. Um, yeah, a lot of people publicly basically sort of bashed the whole placement, but it's like there's nothing you can do. That's just the way it is. But uh, yeah, not great to see the uh, state. Imagine, imagine like going to that. Like it's like your final who uh, you're like a high school senior, and then you finish with uh, like quadruple bogey, and turns out that's average. That's awful. We, like, that's all- how you end your career. That is horrendous. We've all played on a course or a hole where the pin placement is terrible. And on, like the green is sloped. So like you miss it and you're toast. But I mean, w- w- to be fair, we play it like shitty public courses. You know, this is a tournament for like, it's, it's competitive. When we play, like, we, we don't even keep score half the time. At least I don't. Recently, I haven't, right. been, I haven't even been keeping score. So like these are, are the, these are women who have been, oh, they're obviously like light years better than us. And they're playing a tournament competitively. And then the, down to the final hole, you get that. That is so shitty. That's awful. That would, that would really make me mad. That's, I mean, there's not, not much more to say than that. But, I mean, it's funny to watch. But, I mean, if I was in their position, I would be, uh, I'd be pretty pressed about it. I'd be pretty, pretty pressed about it. Um, but yeah. Uh, have you golfed at all recently? I have not really. Probably. I know it's been a while. Well, I got to get back out there. Or maybe yeah. next week. 
our our um, you know our buddy Colin's on his way back up to uh, the Berg now. So once he gets back up, me and him are gonna be hitting the links on the daily. I'm just kidding, but no, we'll we'll probably play a few times. I I got hurt the last time. I think that we talked about. It. I got hurt the last time I was out on the course, so I'm a little hesitant to get back out there. But I think I could start with a nice little neat nine hole. Go back to Lebo, you know, where I'm comfortable. Go from there. But uh, but yeah, I want to get back out there. It's been other than today and here in Pittsburgh, it's been beautiful. We've had like 90 degree clear days last night into today. It's been raining on and off, but I mean, it's it, golf season, golf weather. Got to deal with it. Um, now I want to get back to baseball. We, we, usually we'd save golf for last, but no, that was a good segue. That made sense. I hear you. But something we forgot to write, put down here in our document until just now. The biggest baseball news of the uh, since we last recorded was the Pittsburgh Pirates swept the Dodgers. Just let that let that sink in for a second. There's a that, that is very pirates thing though. That's almost like the getting no hit and still beating the Reds, but then also uh, losing the series to the Reds. It, it's like yeah, it's the series equivalent of that. You're right. It's a thousand percent. But like a team with a 250 or whatever million dollar payroll lost a, a team lost to a team who whose payroll is less than Mookie Betts. Like that is crazy town i I haven't i really haven't been following the pirates as much because i'm i'm all in on uh playoff hockey right now but i just saw everywhere on twitter the pirates swept the dog the 22 and 27 pittsburgh pirates swept the la dodgers man you you got you got to be ashamed of yourself if you're the uh dodgers am i right yeah my goodness that is that is Pretty just, embarrassing. Guess it's is, better than getting swept by the Reds, but still. Yeah, but I mean, I mean this this season, yeah, but like historically, I mean, at least over the past like decade, the Pirates have been the laughing stock. The Reds have at least had some seasons where they go to the playoffs and stuff. The Pirates haven't done, you know, crap recently. Anyways, that I, I we had to mention that because that was a historic event that I'm gonna uh, never forget. Speaking of historic events, I'll never forget. Uh, you wrote this one down about Jesus Sanchez. Correct. Uh, Jesus Sanchez of the Marlins hits the longest home run since 2019 in Denver. It was 496 feet. I believe the one in 2019 was also in Denver. So, yeah, yeah. you kind of got the elevation thing there for you. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know if you saw the video. He, it's unbelievable. Top, top deck on right field, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like literally it hit like the, like one of the furthest points in the park. Like, man, that is, that's why, why do the Marlins always get these guys that can launch nukes? Like Stanton for the longest time was the guy who would just like shoot absolute missiles, you know, when he was in Denver and even in Miami, whenever he played uh, that, Um, that stadium took a beating from him. I'm glad to see that the baseball's attempt of putting like the humidor thing that they keep like cigars in of keeping the baseballs and that is working. Not. Yeah, right. But I don't know. Anyway, we'll move on to something really spicy that was uh, really interesting. Jack Pedersen uh, slapped Tommy Pham over a fantasy football dispute. And then as a result, Pham got suspended for three games. There is video everywhere of this. 
It's, yes. And did you see, did you hear about why Peterson uh, got slapped? Like, like why fam decided to do that? No. So I, I don't know the specifics of the league, but I, I know Mike Trout is the commissioner of the league, apparently. And fam called him. Out. I, remember, I saw they interviewed him. They interviewed Trout. And then like, he just kept playing it off as it was like a joke, which was kind of entertaining. Yeah, but the fam, I don't think it was a joke, but apparently in this league, I don't know exactly what happened in the group chat. Um, Peterson sent a meme about because fam was on the Padres at this point about how the Padres have been underperforming. And it was basically like um, it was a gif of like weightlifters, like strong guys, like being able to lift. And it was the Dodgers and the Giants being able to lift. And then a, a guy who was like a weightlifter who was strong, not being able to lift. And it was the Padres logo on it, basically saying like they have such a good team, but they they're suck, which they've, they've been off to a terrible start this season. Uh, they've kind of gotten better recently, but they they're not as good as they should be, basically, just like last year. And that was the joke. And apparently uh, that's according to Peterson. That is the thing that set that made fam mad. I don't know if that's true or not, but that was the thing. And then, like I said, fam came out after the whole incident and called out Mike Trout for being the worst fantasy football commissioner ever. And like. There are like Peterson and Trout are taking it as a joke, but like it seems like Fam is like legit pissed about it, and he's like, like, like actually like making a big deal about it. Which, like, if there's money on the line, sure, I understand, but like at the same time, it's fantasy football, dude, and like it's not supposed to be taken too seriously. Am I, am I wrong? Like, yeah, I know, but it's sort of like that's kind of the thing I think we talked about this was a while ago, where like the sports betting thing, um, where it's like. You know, sports used to be kind of a joke in sort of that way where, like, you know what I mean? Kind of like that, you know, you're done with, you're done working, you're done with this, done with that, sort of like the, you know what I mean? In the end of the day, it's a game, but now mm-hmm. it's really not. Yeah. Because now people can, like, literally, like, slap their entire paycheck on betting that someone hits a home run or this is the score or blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but these guys are professional athletes. Like, they have money. Yeah, I know. Like, I, 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 I don't know how much they're putting on this fantasy football league, but it can't be enough to – like warrant that you know what i'm saying true that's just my opinion i don't know anyway um so there were one soto uh trade rumor circulating but those were shut down given that he's basically the only name left in the nationals organization after harper left yeah, everyone kind of uh, suspected because they're they kind of got pirate syndrome, but to a lesser extent, where every time they get a good player, it's basically guaranteed they won't resign him, uh, which happened with Anthony Rendon, happened with Bryce Harper, I guess Scherzer to an extent. So yeah, I was gonna say I think that was a different situation, but yeah, yeah, like he he's an older guy, so like it's a little different, and he's his trajectory is different than the Nationals, but anyways, still point proven. Um, everyone kind of expected that over the season because Soto's uh, contracts coming up that the nationals would play the cheap game and not want to resign him. But their general manager, Mike Rizzo basically came out and said, no chance. There's no way, which fair point because at his best one Soto is like up there with like, he's in the conversation with trout, like in that like top five, outfielder like like uh, players but like one of the best outfielders in the league one of the best players in the league um he came in he, when he came in right after harper left 
and he led them to a World Series, which Harper never was able to. And he was like, I think that was his rookie year, and he was just an absolute monster. So they decided that no matter what the amount is going to be, they're going to do their best to re-sign him, and they're not going to just give him up for nothing, which is the right thing to do because that's the kind of player you build around. He's still young, still has a lot left in the tank. There's no reason that they should be trading him right now, even though they are not on an upward trajectory yet. They're still kind of not doing great, but you, you can't give up on him. You cannot give up on Juan Soto, no matter what the price is, which it's probably going to be 300, 350, maybe pushing $400 million in the, when it's all said and done, because he's that good. He is an unbelievable player. He has every tool necessary to be a top five player in the league. So shouldn't trade Juan Soto, but looks like they won't. So that's good. Um, you put this one down about Ohio Correct. sports betting. Well, we, well, no, I was going to say we'll talk about the uh, Jose Cubas thing there for a second. Oh, I thought you deleted it. Okay. No, no, no. I figure we'll 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 end on a good note. Yeah. Um, the sports betting thing. Ohio announced that they finally changed their laws, so sports betting will be coming to them. Uh, we'll end on a positive note here. So, uh, Jose Cubas back in I don't not sure what year originally started with the Brewers um, as a pitcher didn't really work out. Um, he ended up quitting baseball, went and actually worked as a FedEx driver in uh, Brooklyn, New York. But I guess his brother kept on him, and they really started really working at it at night um, whenever he wasn't working. Uh, he went and made his, uh, I guess, second debut with the uh, Kansas City Royals as a uh, reliever. So, you know, it was sort of like a, it's kind of one of those like magical stories where it's like it doesn't look like he's going to make it, ends up basically completely quitting. And uh, here he is. Uh, making his appearance as a relief pitcher. So credit to him for, you know, sticking with it. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty cool. Just pretty cool to see because you don't really see many people uh, really do that. It's sort of like they they kind of like either make it or it's either make it or break it with baseball and then they'll just give up and find something else to do. But uh, I don't know, pretty cool to see because uh, he's only 27 years old, so he's not very old and – here he is now playing as a relief pitcher for the Royals after quitting and delivering packages. That's resiliency. That's adversity. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's exactly what that is for him. And apparently, which I didn't know this, I, I did hear about the story about the whole FedEx thing and um, how he basically gave up, but well, not, he didn't basically give up. He, like, he, he got given up on, and then he came back and fought back and got in. Um, he was drafted as a third baseman, then converted to short, and converted the first base, and now he's a pitcher. Then he switched to a pitcher, but he did didn't work out. Yeah, the, those are all like like that's not the same position. Like like those are different skill sets. And he was able to find his thing and come back. I think it's awesome. That's an awesome story, and good on you, Troy, for ending on a high note because that that that's a feel good story. There's so many so much bad stuff that you hear about in the news. This is it's a good story. Good for him, and uh, hope he can uh, find his way to regularly be, um, you know, on the roster. Correct. All right. Do you want any final thoughts? Um. Uh, do you want to do uh, predictions for tonight's game? Avs Oilers. What are you thinking? So, oh boy. 
Game, um, game two in Colorado. No Kemper. So it's going to be Pavel Francouz, their backup against Mike Smith. I want to say that the Avalanche are going to go out and uh, take the two nothing. Think they're going to take two nothing. Because I think huh? they're going to, I think they're going to rally knowing what they have behind them. So the betting, the, the Avs are the betting favorites. Um, yeah, I, man, but McDavid against a backup goalie, you know. Francis has played. It's not like he's cold. He played in this uh, in these playoffs. It's been a little bit, but whenever Kemper got hurt against Nashville, he did play. I want Colorado to win, but I I got a feeling it's going to be one one. I have a feeling McDavid might go out and, and uh, have his way with Francis. I'm thinking I think it's going to be a high sc- a higher scoring close game. I'm thinking five four five four Edmonton. I'm going with. Uh, I'm going to go four, two Colorado fourth one's an empty netter. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Who's, who's score is, is McKinnon getting one? Uh, is McCarr getting possibly. One? What is McCarr getting one? I don't know. I think McDavid uh, will get one. All right. McDavid's getting one. All right. Well, those are our predictions for tonight's game. Um, by the time we talk next time, we may have a Stanley cup final matchup. We might also not. Depends on how long these series go. Troy, while we're here, do you, since we made predictions for the game tonight, do you want to make one last series prediction in case the series doesn't continue for the next podcast for the fiftieth next next? Like we said, next episode is fiftieth. Also, so series prediction. Knowing what we saw in game one. Same thing. I'm still sticking with my roots with the original thing. Colorado's going to win. In how many? Six. And what about the other series? Oh, man. That one's, that one's tougher. That one, I think I can make the call after tonight. Lightning and seven. They don't play tonight. They play tomorrow night, though. Yeah. Or the game two, rather. Yeah. Uh, Lightning, Lightning and seven. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna agree with you right down the line. Colorado and six, Tampa and seven. I like. I, I have no no beef with that. I mean, I could see the Colorado series also going to seven, but uh, we'll see. We're in for a great round three that just got kicked off, and tonight, like I said, game two, Colorado, Edmonton. It's gonna be a good one. Um, I'll take us out here. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Notorious Unit Report. I'm Lucas here with Troy. Follow us on Twitter at The Unit Reports. Follow me on Twitter at Lucas Wester. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart, and Pandora. And we will catch you next time. See ya. Go, Avs, go. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Unit Report. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at The Unit Report.